0: Welcome back into the great Scott show, the great sport. Well, it's, it's the great Scott show. We've kind of dropped the sports colors open think tank. No one really got it anyway. It was kind of a mouthful. We're keeping it precise. It's the great Scott show. I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. And as promised, joining me now the color analyst for Louisiana Raging Cajun football, former coach, former player. He will be at the Caesars Superdome tomorrow night in the radio booth with Jay Walker, 3,000 feet up in the sky in the roof of the dome, calling the action for you on our airwaves as Louisiana, ranked 16th in the country, takes on Marshall in the RL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Gerald Broussard. Good morning, G. What's happening, my friend?
1: Oh, no, just excited to get down to New Orleans and to get this thing going, man. I just, I just think that there is, this is an intriguing matchup to me, Scott, and I'm really kind of looking forward to it. And I do, look, just to go on record, I like the sports callers open thinking. I just right, just say right. it.
0: All right. You liked it. So there's there's one, there's one at least one person out there. G's the one. Um, so... I. I you know what I appreciate it, Gerald. I don't know now I, now you're gonna make me try to figure out an acronym for Gerald, and then that way, I'll be like, oh, "Well, do you like that? Do you like that? you know the great ever present um radio yeah, authority uh you know uh, lax and I can't do it uh, d- 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 anyway, there you go. D- d- <laughs> So Gerald, before I, I ask you specifically about the matchup, uh, the depth chart, we got it last night. And there are a lot of names listed as out on the injury report. Uh, there's another guy like Cam Solomon who's not listed on it at all. At all. Um, and, and he's out for, we were told, personal reasons. But just looking at this depth chart, I mean, some of the guys have been out for a while. I mean, people already know about... You know, Kenny Amadarez or da- Dalvin Hutchinson, or you know, just to name a few. But there's some guys that look. We we already knew earlier this week that Chris Smith was going to be out. That Taylor Humphrey is out. That he's he had a procedure. He's not with the team. But last night, you know, I had heard some things about Peter LeBlanc, maybe not playing, and I expected to see him on the out list. He's out. But also Max Mitchell, right? You're talking about an All American, Farad Gardner a guy who at linebacker does so much, and all of them are listed with upper body injuries. A long list. We don't need to go through everybody that's not going to play, Gerald, but right out the gate, you know this Marshall team. You've looked at the tape. You know Lance they their D.C. well. You, you've, you've looked at what they do offensively. Again, we'll get more into the matchup specifically in a moment, but of these players, who do you think the Cajuns are going to miss most tomorrow night that's not going to be able to suit up?
1: Well, and, and you know me, Scott, and you know how I am. Max Mitchell is a big hit. Now, the Cases have played without Max before, but having to move Kim Marks from left side to right side and then move Nathan Thomas up, you know, that's that's something that makes it a little bit tough to do because Jax Harrington had played before for Max at right tackle, and Jax is out also and has been out. And, and you know, Max has played through some issues uh, throughout his career with, with little nagging stuff i uh, I've, I've got rumor, you know heard rumors during the week that he may or may not play. I understand with him, you know uh, getting ready for the senior bowl. if he's got to have something done to physically make himself ready, you know he, he that that needed to happen for him to be able to compete in the senior bowl. Uh, i'm I'm sh- speculating, totally speculating, but but he's the one looking at it. You know Peter is a guy that that you know does so much for the Cajuns and makes so many plays for the Cajuns. But when you look at the depth of the receiver position, and we talked about that throughout the year, you know it, it, it gives an opportunity for Errol Rodgers Jr. to get some more balls and Dante Fleming to get some more balls in there. And so I think the Cajuns have some good depth, good depth at that position in there. Um, and, look, I'm a big Michael Jefferson fan, and so I'm anxious to see if Michael Jefferson can make some plays and, and a little more reps for Kyron Lacey and, um, you know, John Stevens Jr. now can get a chance to do some things. And, and so I, I, I think that there's some depth at the receiver position. But, but so Peter will be missed, but not like I think that you're going to miss. It. I mean, Matt's an All-American, you know, and, and, and I mean, that's not by accident. I mean, he's, he's a really good player, and that's just hard to replace against what they're going to play they be in the cage they're going to have to face with with the pass rush and the attacking front of, of this Martian defense.
0: What about Farad Gardner, the inside linebacker you're talking about again? ton of experience, right? A guy that's, you know, college journey began seven years ago and uh, up and down early and then really just found a home at, at UL and and, and has... Tremendous speed, right? He's just, he's just a really good player, G. I mean, there's no other way to say it. And, um, you know, Jordan Quibido, he's, he's, he's solid. And I remember Gardner leaving briefly in the Sunbelt Conference Championship. I mean, he had to get helped off. Then he went back into the game. But, you know, uh, I, my point is when he's off the field, I notice. So um, what, what, what do you think the impact of him not being suited up tomorrow night can have on Louisiana?
1: it's just a lot of production that's gone. And, 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 you know, he's a guy that cancels gaps from the inside out. And when I say that, Scott, he doesn't have to overthink. He can slow play his way to the outside cause he's got enough speed to get there. And and what Farad's done a really good job is making plays in space. We talked about that and we'll talk about that as we go on about, about being able to make plays in space. and, 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 uh, you know, being able to to tackle Ali one-on-one on on the flare route or on the swing route or something getting in and out of the backfield and stuff, that's going to be put on on Lorenzo and and Chris Moncrief now and and then Jordan Quibido. And, look, not that Jordan's not a good player, and I'm sure we're going to talk about Taylor too, you know, not that Jaquan Nelson's not a good player, but there's just a lot of production not there. And, um, yeah, it's going to be missed.
0: So this this, this matchup, Gerald, that's why I wanted to have you on because – you know, I was talking to coach Desimo this week and he reiterated it a few times about how, you know, it hasn't really been a, as much. The, the, the talk, at least from a media standpoint, has not been a, as much about the players uh, and the game because of all the changes, right? Billy Napier leaves, you win the Sun Belt conference title, you hire coach Des, you have early signing day, you've got all of these other things and, here you have it. It's tomorrow night. It's the Arnell carries New Orleans Bowl. Louisiana's won 12 in a row. They've had unprecedented success. They're trying to end the season with their highest ranking ever. Continue the longest win streak in school history. Send out a number of memorable seniors on a winning note. There's so much there. And then I've heard a lot of, oh, well, it's Marshall. And they might be in the Sun Belt next year. And what is this? Well, uh, it's Marshall. Marshall's a team with a, a really good offense, G. And I know you've You've looked into them a little bit from a matchup standpoint. Well, what is concerning about this matchup for the Cajuns as they battle the herd tomorrow?
1: Well, big thing is, is that Marshall can run the football. I mean, they've got a really good running back. And, and with, uh, you know, we know that Taylor and Humphreys won't be at the game. And, and, and so with, with Big Saws being gone, uh, that's a big void that you're going to have to fill there to help stop the run. Uh, but but no, I, I tell you this is a Marshall was ahead of Western Kentucky in their last game, fourteen to nothing, and then their quarterback got hurt, and and it really turned the whole tide of, of the game. In fact, on the play he got hurt, there was there was a fumble and a turnover, which brought Western Kentucky into within fourteen to six, and then you know, Western's got a really good offense and kind of separated. Then in the second half, it got out of control with. It. Uh, Marshall went for an onside kick and that Western returned for a touchdown and then they threw a big six at the end of the game but uh Western Kentucky's got a really good pass and offense but Marshall was more than in control of the game until they lost their quarterback I just see them as a, as a, a hot and cold team Scott that almost looks like at times they get disinterested and, and um uh, but I, I I know Lance Gidry, the defensive coordinator there. I know his motivation for the game and coming back to Louisiana. Lance is from Welsh played at McNeese. his coached all over and was the head coach of McNeese. So so I, I know he's going to be motivated. I, I think Coach Huff, their offensive, I mean their head coach, was offensive coordinator in Alabama. Uh, you know he, he comes highly touted, and I I think that this is a team that. I don't want to say underachieved because they were right in the mix to be playing for a, to, to have a chance to play in their conference championship game on a first year staff, but, but maybe didn't quite do as well as they had hoped. And uh, I think it's going to be a motivated Marshall team that I'm excited to see how the cases match up.
0: JL Bruce, I guess you bring up Grant Wells, the quarterback for Marshall. And you're right. When he left that game against Western, it, it it, it looked like it just kind of stunned him, right? The defense kind of changed, and Wells is a talented guy. His issue this year is he's, he's, he's turned it over some, right? He could sling it. I mean, you see some of the throws he makes, but, you know, he's 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 not – he hadn't been great all the time at protecting the football, and I think a big part of it is when Marshall would get down in games and they couldn't run as much, and you mentioned the running back. I mean, Rasheen Ali, this – this cat, I mean, for a guy that's carried the ball 230 times this year and is averaging 5.5 yards a carry, you know, you see guys sometimes and they have a crazy average, and we've seen it with some Cajun running backs in recent history, and one of them playing for the Niners right now. But when you look at that season average and it's not, okay, he did it on, you know, 20 carries. We see 230 carries, 20 touchdowns, and you mentioned Talon Humphrey who – you know, he's not with the team right now. He he played through an injury all season and, you know, had a procedure when the season ended. And, and, and he's working on that and getting healthy and going to prepare for the NFL draft. Big Sauce did a lot. And I know the Cajuns' D-line and, like Zion Hill, talk about a disruptor. He was great in the conference championship game. They've got players, but you lost Alvin Hutchinson earlier this season. You're not going to have Big Sauce. I, I, I look at this Marshall offense, G, and I say, yes, Grant Wells... Is is better than than Luke, you know, Vaughn, their backup. He is better than anything else they have on the roster at quarterback by a lot. But if you can get him in a situation where he is having to throw the ball to play catch up, that changes everything. If Marshall is able to run the ball, not only is their offense clicking, but Wells is playing better, and his, um, you know, I guess his margin of error is a lot more thin, uh, excuse me, a lot more wide, right, in terms of well, whatever the phrase is. I mean, in this situation, gee, sorry, I'm rambling here. Yeah. But you start running the ball, guess what? I, I don't know that he's going to have a game where he's throwing picks. I mean, this is – this di- Marshall, to me, and, you, and you, you spoke on it, I think ideally they want to establish the run early and lean on it the entire game. Am I, am I misreading them? Well, I think they play
1: on each other very well. In order to run the football, they need to be able to throw it. In order to throw the football, they need to be able to run it. Also, I don't think that they're so good at either that they can be deficient in the other and still win the football game. Uh, I, I think that well, what Wells does, and, and I don't know how to pronounce back up. You you did a much better job of pronouncing it than I could. Uh, it's just that when when, when um, you know they are very quick to check the ball down. And I think part of that is, is uh, you know, as you mentioned, Wells he's thrown some interceptions. And, and uh, you know, so now rather than force the throw or press the throw, I think that they almost, okay, let's just get the ball checked down. And, look, if you gain a five or six throwing the football, that's fine, as long as it's not fourth and nine. You know, that that's fine. You can play another play and say ahead and change that way. And also – Keep Ali in the run game, and another thing they do do with him, Scott, is they get the ball to him in the passing game too. And look, he's a good player. He, he he's a kind of a combination of Chris Smith and Imani Bailey together. Uh, you know, a little bit bigger than Imani and, and can run like Chris, and got some gas with. I don't know if he's quite as fast, but you know, more of a balanced type runner, more so than a than a, a bruiser. But he's he's a good player in and out of the backfield. In the backfield, running the football, out of the backfield, catching the football, making plays. He's dependable for him. But but I do think though that that in order for Marshall to be effective offensively, they have to be able to do both. I don't. I, they've got a good offensive line, an experienced offensive line that gets after you. I mean, borderline line can be a little bit nasty in there. Um, and, look, I don't mind that a bit. I, I, I think that they just play to and through the echo of the whistle. Uh, I don't think they do anything cheap or dirty. I just think they keep blocking, which tends to frustrate the defensive guys. And I'm fine with that. I, I think they get out of it. But, as you mentioned, it was a big letdown in that Western Kentucky game when Wells went out and, uh, you know, just couldn't overcome it. And and then, you know, Western Kentucky kind of got hot in the second half and made some plays and they weren't they being Marshall was not good enough to catch up throwing the football. And they they just struggled.
0: Yeah, uh no doubt. And Wells is good to go and he's ready for this game and we'll uh we'll see what happens tomorrow night. You know, I know there's a number of Cajun players that that aren't going to be able to play in this one, and I don't want to get in all of them. We talked about Taylam on uh, Taylen Humphrey, big sauce on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, Chris Smith uh, isn't going to need surgery, but is I mean he was he was they they said you know last week that he might not be able to play in the bowl game because of an injury. So he you know Coach Desermo told us it's not it's not that he needs surgery, but it's something that he has to totally stay off of and and rehab it and should be able to fix it on its own. But he's not. In a place to play ball, and so, you know, we can look at the Cajun backfield and a number of guys, and and in the freshmen and 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 Wisham, you know, the homecoming king, you know, whether it be Johnson Wisham, Amada Bailey. Let's just let's just talk about him for a moment because he had such a great second half in the conference championship game. You know, he got the uh, the Rich Eisen Award for the Super Tough Guy of the Week. Uh, uh, you know, I asked him about that. He said it was cool. They didn't send him any Gorilla Glue, even though that was the sponsor of the award. But, you know, it was an NIL award. I think it's cool. You know, Rich Eisen said he gets $1,000 to promote a brand. And uh, and Bailey Bailey just seems like he's really intense on the field, but I also think he's one of those cats that just, like, he's, he's screaming and yelling a lot, but he's just having a blast And um, I don't know, man, I think Bailey Bailey is due for a big game tomorrow night. What are your thoughts on Amani Bailey before I get your thoughts on just the Cajuns offense as a whole and how they match up with Marshall?
1: Yeah, I've become a huge fan of Amani Bailey. I've got some friends that that I I know that coached him in high school. And so I kind of had an interest in him when he got here. Saw him in the spring and a little bit in camp and just was, I thought he was a step away from just making some really big plays and was hoping that he didn't end up being the kind of guy that was always just a step away. And then I think this year he just gained more and more confidence as he played. and became, I mean, he, and I agree with what you said. He seems like the kind of guy that's out there, Scott, just having a good time. And just, I mean, enjoys playing football and is bouncing around out there. And I think, I think his enthusiasm is infectious and contagious. And I think that, you know, as he gets around, those kind of he's the kind of guy, dude. I'd love to block because you know he's gonna come up and jump up on your back and talk a little trash and headbutt and you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and and uh, you know, it just he seems like he's having a lot of fun out there playing and making plays. And and. Uh, not that I'm glad Chris is not playing, but I think that gives an opportunity for Imani to touch the football even more, and, and I'm excited about that. And, and look, I would not have been shocked, Scott, if, if, if Imani would have gotten the MVP in that conference championship game. I thought he had that kind of game. And, um, in
0: one half, no less, that- you know? I mean, it was, it was that impressive of two quarters of football.
1: Yeah, I he just played really well. And I thought he was the different, now look, Levi had to make the plays early, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. but, but that just the way Amani came in and played that second half, I was like, holy smoke. And, and uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm happy Levi can get, whatever Levi can get, I'm all for it. But, but I, I do think though that this will be a fun time to be able to see Amani and to see, maybe get a little look at where he can go with it next year. Because I, you know by, with coach desmo calling the plays now you know we'll, we'll see how that looks and how that and I'm sure it'll be different but just how much different and how it looks different than with, with, when billy was come to plays as far as you know get, getting guys involved in it and rotation wise and all that stuff and I, and I mentioned rotation too because you're not going to have as many rotating and you've also got two new running back guys coaching them you know cuz i know Coach Luke was the running back coach. He's gone, and his assistant, Coach Ash, is gone with him. And so, you know, that, that's that's going to be a little bit different.
0: More on that in a moment. Uh, just to wrap wrap up a matchup standpoint in terms of the Cajuns' offense, Levi Lewis, his final game, um, and and he's not going to have, I guess, the full arsenal to work with. We mentioned Smith. You know, some guys not able to play tomorrow, but but he's got a lot. You know, he's he's. He's got enough to work with, and certainly you, you mentioned his playmaking in the coverage championship. I mean, the touchdown run, was, was that was as good a highlight as I can remember in Levi's career, and he's had some good ones. This Marshall defense, uh, how, to, how does Levi's skill set stack up against what the Thundering Herd want to do?
1: Well, and, and and the defense coordinator for Marshall, as we've been talking, is Lance Gidry, and so he's gonna want to get after him. Lance's mantra has always been DWA, Defense with an Attitude, and and, and I mean they they want to be uh, physical, they want to get after you. He'll bring pressure a little bit but he tends to allow his guys up front to, to go on a free rush. Doesn't move the front near as much. When I say that a lot of twists and games and stuff, he wants them to win one-on-ones. And look, these are guys that can sack. They can get pressure on the quarterback. Now they did have an injury early to one of their backups in the Western Kentucky game. And I don't see him on the two deep, but uh, look, look, I'm not going to call a name, but it looked like a pretty significant injury there. Uh, But, but, up front, they are going to play the run. I mean, play the the, the run on the way to going to the quarterback. They are attacking front. They're not a read front. They want to get after it, which kind of lends itself to uh, an athletic quarterback to being able to get the second and even third level. And so, I, I do believe that he he knows Levi's more than capable. I know he knows that. Uh, I think he's going to have to put somebody and assign somebody to Levi and maybe just slow down his rush because of Levi's ability to run the football. I I, I don't think Levi, and I know Levi's not a run-first guy, but we've seen this year, there have been a couple times this year, Scott, where he's broken free, and he looks like that other number one up on the wall now, and just with his ability to make people miss and his burst. And I think that's, that's the thing that he did it in the conference championship game. He did it earlier in the year. And, and just, you know, Brian used to make people miss and then all of a sudden he'd hit that gas and, and it was like, Oh my goodness, this guy can run and saw that a couple times this year where, and look, they're total different body structures. Cause Brian, Brian Mitchell was just so put together and thick and strong and Levi just doesn't carry that kind of weight with him. But, uh, as far as his ability to finish a play, uh, he's got it. And, uh, and, and, and. I, I think that's the thing that if you're defending him, it's it's you know we know he can throw, but we can't let him beat us running the football. But schematically, that's not really what Western. Could, I mean, what what, what uh, Marshall wants to do? They want to just attack and go. So that part of it would be interesting if if, if, uh, if Levi can expose that aggressiveness and take advantage of it.
0: Bruce on our guest, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather, Louisiana, taking on Marshall tomorrow. You mentioned Lance Guidry a number of times and, you know, the former coach at Karen Crow and, and, and McNeese State and, of course, tons of different stints around the world of high school and college football. Were you, did you guys cross over at McNeese? Were you all ever on the same staff?
1: Yeah, we were. Lance was secondary coach. I was offensive line coach. Coach Viator was offensive coordinator. And I mentioned him because I'm a fan. I mean, I'm, his wife Starlet, especially. He, he, he's a look. He's a, he's a football coach. now. I mean, he just gets after it, and he was fun, and it was competitive every day in practice. And uh, I'm I'm a fan of what he does, and, and so uh, I'm I'm anxious. I hope I don't know if I will. I'm, I hope to get to see him, and uh, but I'm I'm excited for him to be able to play in the New Orleans. Bowl.
0: Yeah, he's a good family man as well. Um, with that. Gerald, our guest, I wanted to segue into the coaching question because you and I talked a lot a uh, week before last, prior to the Sunbelt Conference Championship game, about staff. A staff when they know their head coach is about to leave, and some of them know they're going with them and others don't, and they don't know who the next head coach is going to be, and they're not sure what's what. This is different now. You've promoted the head coach. You're short-staffed. Some of the guys will be there, uh, you know, next year. Some of them may not. It's a, it's certainly a different feel than it was two weeks ago. But as as somebody that's been on multiple coaching staffs, Gerald, I just wanted your perspective on the potential impact it will have on this game. Being not just, I guess, short on staff, and West neighbors will serve as DC, and and Coach Desimo will call the plays as a head coach, and and he'll he'll get input from everybody, but it's not just that it's a short staff, but kind of the situation of new head coach, but it's this week. He is the future head coach. Some of them know they're definitely still going to be there. I don't know how many do. It's it's, to say it's a unique situation for a staff going into a bowl game uh, is maybe an understatement. So as a former coach, try to put yourself in the shoes of somebody that maybe is on the staff right now. How does that or does that impact the game in a big way tomorrow?
1: I, th- I think it does, and, and it is very unique. I mean, you look at the LSU situation, dealing with interim guys, and, and do they know that they're going to be back? I don't know if if, if Coach Daz has talked to every assistant on the staff and had meetings and stuff. And, and I'm sure, I'd, look, I'd be shocked if he's if he has, you know, and, and tried yeah, to say just it, be a time. because it's just the timing of yeah. it. I mean, you're you're. I'm sure they've talked, but as far as their role in the future and all that stuff. I mean the first thing they were trying to do was get get on recruiting and, and trying to, to get out on the recruiting trail and take care of the early signing period and all that and then also get ready for the bowl game, try and name uh coach neighbors as as the, the defensive guy for the bowl game. I know he asked Coach Fiatar to coach uh you know, to come out of his analyst role and to and to coach and, and you know, because Viator and I laughed about it. He said, "Yeah, I'm going to be the quarterback coach, and I got a quarterback that's, you know, years. You know, so yeah, I'll I'll do that." He said, "That's not a big deal." So he, I know, for him to be able to do that, and I think that there's some some plans for him to be in the booth, which is something that he's not done traditionally. But he he can go up there and be Mike's eyes up top, and and I think that can be invaluable to him and really be a big asset, especially going against Lance Gidry. Uh, but but. I, I do think that you know the the anxiousness, the the uncertainty that we talked about before, with the majority of the guys in the building has probably eased up some because, you know, they, they feel like if nothing else, they, they they've got a shot with with Coach Des as the head coach because of some some familiarity with him and they've all coached together, and, and so I, I I do think that that makes people feel a little bit better about the situation and. You know those who were in transition that went with with coach uh, with coach Napier to Florida, they're out of the building. So, and I'm not saying you want them gone as people, but you know they have other interests. And so, truth be known, they need to be gone. Um, but but with where you are now, going into the bowl game, you're still trying to win a game. Is it is it you know life or death, or is it the same as a conference championship? No. Uh, but it, it's it's a it's a reward game for them. You got some players in there making their last appearance wearing a Cajun uniform, and and look, cages are visitors. I just found that out when I found out we weren't staying at, at the Marriott on Canal. We're staying at the Sheridan, and, and so that that would be a little bit different for for me to be in that situation. I know for some of the guys to be in in a different color, but but I think that you know it, it's exciting for them, and and I think that's more more than apprehensive or, or nervous about it now I think the guys that were that way are more in an excited position to be
0: guys uh, can still buy their tickets y'all go to Cajun Dome you can buy them there you can buy them online as well uh, buying them in person at the Cajun dome might save you on some of the online fees and other stuff but um, you know I, I Gerald I'm I'm not optimistic about the crowd tomorrow night I'll be honest Um it, just based on some of the things I've heard, i am heard, I hope I'm wrong. I hope there's a big late surge. And I think certainly the, the team deserves it. I mean, you're looking at unprecedented success right now and a chance to, uh, to end the season on a right way. And it, it's important. It's important to get the win. It's important to take potentially the longest win streak in the FCS, excuse me, the FBS in the next season. If Cincinnati doesn't win at all and the Cajuns win their bowl game, they will. So there's a lot going on here. And just from a... I don't know a confidence standpoint. Ending on a winning note, Coach Des' his first game, you know, as the head coach, kind of getting his feet wet in that regard. There's, there's, there's a lot to play for tomorrow night. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, for folks to want to hear the radio call, Gerald Broussard in the booth, Jay Walker doing the play-by-play, Cody Juno on the sidelines, and um, you know, Gerald to to end it on this note. Ten years ago today, December seventeenth, twenty eleven. Your son snapped the ball, and then Brett, Beer, Brett Bear made a 50-yard kick. And uh, a lot's happened in the last 10 years, but at that moment in time, it was a, it was a pretty special moment for, uh, for the Cajuns and certainly the football program. You weren't doing media stuff yet. Uh, I mean, you were doing some high school stuff, so I shouldn't say that. You hadn't done anything with us yet. Uh, you were there as a parent and as a fan watching that game, but what, what are your memories of that game 10 years ago before we let you run?
1: So, I, if, if you remember, Scott, before the kick, they they uh, there was an offside. So, you know, State jumped offside.
0: They call, what do they call it, Johnny. spinning or, or something? It was like there was – I forgot what the ref said. He confused everybody. But then you saw it on the replay. You're like, oh, yeah, that is a penalty.
1: Yeah, they were barking and stuff. And so, anyway, there was a penalty on them, but John had already snapped. And so I, I was actually sitting in a suite with Brian Sonier who a former player for the Cajuns and stuff and we were up in there and I you know went, look I, I really enjoyed being, being, being John's dad dude I, it was so hard when he was playing you know to watch him especially as a snapper, you know uh, but anyway, I had a rosary in my hand I was, I was rubbing the rosary and stuff well he pulls the snap and then I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to do it again. It was bad enough that he did it once, but then he had to do it again and then went back, moved the ball, reset it, pulled it, got the snap down. And and as soon as he kicked it, the first thing I did was look to the people in the end zone because it's hard to see from the side whether it's going to be. I knew he had the leg. Yeah. I mean, the distance wasn't ever a problem. But if you look behind the goal, people were celebrating immediately. I mean, he Brett stung it, you know, and so uh, – You know, I'm watching them and then they make the kick and then I watch Brett run off and and, then going away. Well, then I'm trying to find John, you know, to see him. Well, I see him, he's down there praying, you know, which those are people that know John, that should not be a surprise. Uh, So, anyway, and then watch him. And then we get back to the hotel. And the thing that was really cool about it was that, you know, there, there was Justin Venable and myself and Lee Venable and Scott Hayes and some other all long snappers who had snapped for the Cajuns. And we were all standing at the hotel waiting on the bus to see, to see John. And look, everybody was happy for the, for the Cajuns, no doubt, but it was just, it was, there's such a fraternity with that group. Those, the snappers, you know, the specialists and, and they were waiting to see him. And that was a, uh, that was really cool for him to get off the bus and then to come. And, and, and I'd be lying if I didn't tell you, there was a few tears shed and uh, it, was a, it was a really cool... I didn't realize today's the anniversary. I really didn't. Uh, but but
0: uh, Somebody put something online last week that it was a 10-year... It wasn't. Yeah. It was it, it, December 17th, 2011, so 10 years ago today. And, um, yeah, I, I found an old video of... I'm going to have to put it on Twitter later this morning. I found an old video of me interviewing HUD after the game amidst the madness, and it never actually got on the radio because... Everyone, when the kick went through, it was just everyone ran on the field and just, I was trying not to get trampled and I was running around trying to find a HUD. And I don't know, after like five minutes, I finally found him and I just started, you know, it's, he's getting pulled in a hundred directions and I, I just was hoping Jay and Steve would see me on the field and just hit the button. They never saw me. They didn't see it. And so I did the interview. It never aired. I don't know that anyone's ever even heard it. And uh, somebody, I think it was Mike Mitchell who. Was working then he had filmed it and he sent me like a, a a a clip of it on a disc or something. I need to I need to put it online this morning just for just since it's the ten year anniversary. But uh, I remember talking to Hud. It was brief and then I you know I I make my way back up to the top of the mountain and in the Superdome and I walk in the press box and they're like they're still talking and Jay's like well Prather just walked in and I guess we're not having a post game interview. I'm like we me I did it you know. <laughs> kind of laughed and that's uh yeah that was that was a good one to be on the sideline for and uh that madness on the field was something else but it was a great memory and uh you know we'll see what happens tomorrow night maybe they make more good memories hopefully they're good but i think you're in for a good game raging cajuns minus five is the line gerald broussard jay walker will have the call for you pregame tomorrow night at six Steve Pelliquin, Richie Falgu have it, G and J in the booth, Cody Juno on the sideline, uh, kickoff about eight fifteen. Louisiana versus Marshall. Gerald, it's, it's been good uh, having you this season on the airwaves, calling the games. I know early in the season you weren't able to do it, but uh, the second-half stretch, it's been great hearing you on the broadcast. Hey, you haven't called a loss this year, so you just got to keep – it's all you, you just got to keep that rolling, just call another win tomorrow.
1: I'm doing my part. I'm just telling you, I'm yeah. And, and look, I get a kick out of it because I do get that when I talk to people and they say, "Bring us back a win," and I just say, "I'm just going to talk to Jay."
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. I remember. Up and talk to
1: Jay.
0: I remember. I, gotcha. I, I, I had to be honest with somebody. You know, I mean, I know they're just being nice, but I went to do the game at Nebraska with Jay like 13 years ago. It was Nebraska when they were still really good. It was in and Sue. It was, you know, <laughs> and it was like. Scott, your only job in Lincoln is to go get a win. I'm like, no, it's not. And uh, don't expect that. Sorry, guys. I'm just, you know, I it's it's I, I hope I hope it happens. I hope it but don't put that on me. You know what I'm saying? Don't put that on me. Nope. I'll put it on you, G, because the Cajuns have won twelve in a row. They're favored. They're really good. And uh, you know, I, I what you do is with you win, you, you just you take full credit and if, if Marshall happens to upset the Cajuns, you know, you just you did your job. You know what I'm saying? You did your job.
1: Well, I'm I'm gonna do what what I get paid to do, and then slap my gums. I I can control that, and so uh, and, and 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 look, I'm just looking forward to it. I really am. Any opportunity to get to keep talking about him, and and I'm gonna bring his name up one more time, Scott. And that's Levi Lewis. I mean, the, dude, that guy. When when he asked for permission to wear number one, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I was I was not in favor of him. You know,
0: I, I, he asked Brian I had Mitchell's go- permission for those that don't know the story, just to, he called Brian Mitchell, numbers retired. He said, Hey, can I wear a number one? And, and Brian did give him his blessing. Now that was what, three years ago.
1: Yep. Yep. And, uh, I, I at least. Yeah. Anyway. And I, I kept saying, no, dude, don't get, no, he, there, there's one number one. Well, you know what though, Scott, I, I'm, I'm good with it now. Uh, yeah, he's more than earned it and he's more than been lived up to it. And I've been. Uh, so excited and, and appreciative for him and for what he's done. I know, you know, uh, uh, Billy gets a lot of the credit, you know, coming through. But, you know, we we've talked about some of the names, Levi Lewis's and the other guys who have been around here and been there from the get. And, uh, yeah, those guys have done really good. And excited for him. And just, I'm, i just, I just like seeing him one more time
0: tomorrow night. Can't wait. Gerald Brusart has been our guest. Last question on football: What's your favorite Christmas movie, G?
1: Oh, A Christmas Story.
0: Okay. You know what? That makes sense for you. That makes complete sense. Why wouldn't it be A Christmas? Of course, that's Gerald Broussard's favorite Christmas movie.
1: Yeah, love it.
0: Good stuff. Gee, I appreciate it, man. All the best. Uh, be safe over there, Nola, and um, uh, hopefully the Cajuns come back with a win. We'll talk to you soon, all right?
1: You bet. Merry Christmas to you and your family, my friend.